What is good, fam? Welcome back to Value Adds Value. This is episode 309, if my math serves me correct, and I'm Kyle Krieger. Um, it is Friday, March 12th. It is the final Friday of virtual learning for my school and for my kids and for myself. Um, so what I decided to do today was to put my thoughts down um, on audio. I almost said put my thoughts down on paper, but um, I find that the reflective process is easier for me verbally than it is written. Um, and that's something I'm working on and I will continue to work on through the end of this school year. But um, I'm jumping on here to just lay my thoughts down um, as I get set to go back to the classroom for the first time in a year um, on Monday. Uh, when you listen to this, I will probably be in my classroom. Well, not even in my classroom, but I'll be in a classroom, several classrooms, actually. Um, I will physically be on campus. I will physically be teaching kids in person three periods a day with one period of uh, teaching my students that remained in distance learning. And I will be doing that for the remainder of the year with fingers crossed that we don't have any outbreaks or the situation doesn't change. But I just wanted to, like I said, and maybe this is for our listeners, maybe this is for me, um, just talk a little bit about where I was um, and where I've been. You know, we dropped the, uh, the podcast we did right before distance learning started or right when distance learning started last year um, on Friday. And if you haven't listened, uh, go back and take a listen. It's really interesting to listen to our attitude and what the outlook was at that time. And the first thing I really come to when it comes to the pandemic in school is just the nature of how nobody could have really seen it. And we can go back and we can look and say there were people within our government and da 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 that knew it was coming and how bad it could have been. But unless you really dug deep for it, the general population didn't know that this was what, what this was what it was going to be. You know, we were told um, we were going to take a two week virtual learning session followed by our spring break which would have been about three weeks total. And that was going to be the thing that we thought would be enough to kind of curb it. Um, and needless to say, it hasn't been. Um, my charter school finished the year in virtual. Um, and then we came back hybrid in a two-day week hybrid, um, A day, B day, with a Friday being a flex day for kids too, that everybody was at home. Um, and we did that till mid-November, from September till mid-November, when the cases really spiked. And then we've been virtual until this week. Um, and now the majority of our kids are back four days a week, starting out uh, for these first two weeks before our spring break. And then uh, Friday will become a half day for them, so they will be back full. Um, so that's the, the kind of happenstance of where it's been. But a few things that have really um, stood out to me uh, as I get set is the way teachers are both portrayed as, or not the way they're both portrayed, the way, the, di the multiple different ways that teachers are portrayed as the problem. Um, you know, virtual learning starts and as always, when there's some kind of issue that teachers are facing, people come out of the woodwork to praise the work that we've done, you know, to praise the way we supported our kids through the end of 
you know, the school year and da 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 da. And and then by the time schools come back around, teachers are lazy and they're um, you know, they're they're not brave or they're whatever they are. They're just trying to stay comfortable. They don't care about kids. They're just doing what's best for them. And it always is crazy to me how what I believe is the most one of the most selfless professions that's out there somehow gets portrayed as being selfish. It reminds me a lot of when teachers go on strike and they're talking about five or six different things, but the one thing that people always focus on is the money. And they say, well, teachers are now, they're just being greedy. They're just this, they're just that. And it it's so difficult for me to hear that and have to wrestle with that. And if you're an early career teacher, it must, this, I mean, if this especially was your first year and maybe you didn't know any different, but to hear that message, I just worry that that drives our teachers in their career out of the classroom because they are listening to what people say about them. And, and it's difficult. And I know not going super political, but the political climate of the world we currently live in is, you know, partially to blame for this. There is no doubt in my mind that both sides played politics. And you could say that, you know, conservatives played politics by downplaying the severity of the virus, knowing how dangerous it was. And you could say Democrats up, you know, you fear mongered the virus. And I'm not going to get into where I stand on that. But teachers got caught in the middle, just like every other American is caught in the middle of that. And it was difficult to balance all the different emotions and needs that I had. Um, when I started the school year, my only concern was trying to ensure that our November wedding happened. Um, we decided that we were going to try to push through and do our wedding because we didn't feel confident that this coming November, November 21, that things would be better and we could have the wedding we wanted. And, you know, if we're trying to start a family, we didn't want to wait another year to do that or to try to start a family before we were married, knowing that we were going to get married. There was just a lot of it. So when I was asked if I'd be interested in being a, the one distance teacher at my school for social studies, I took it. And the other two guys on my social studies team were glad. They were happy that I did. So there was that. Like, I did not, out of fear or cowardice, really take the virtual job. It was an opportunity that was presented to me. And I think that's what's frustrating about hearing people say that virtual teachers are just in there for the comfort and they're lazy and they're this and they're that. And that they made these choices a lot. I just can't, I, I just can't fundamentally understand how our society demeans teachers, but then when they want to makes the assumption that teachers have all the power in the world. We don't have any power at all. Yeah, maybe teachers unions have a lot of power in really major cities, but that's not 
necessarily the majority of what teachers are experiencing. And I just can't understand how, how people are willing to just vilify the teacher, why, the, why we're such an easy target. And it really made me think over the course of the year, especially once our wedding was done. We had our wedding. It was great. No outbreaks. Nobody got COVID at our wedding. Nobody had COVID after. Um, then my opinion started to change. But also that, you know, when I was offered the chance to be the virtual teacher, that was end of July, August. You know, once schools had started to open, there were schools across the country that were doing virtual or doing in-person well. And you started to feel more comfortable and you started to have a better view of what this could be. And you started to see how kids could handle it. The, the in-person part of it. But then on the same token, I had a lot of students who really thrived academically in the virtual setting. And a big part of why we're going back is the social emotional to give kids that space and to allow them to interact and do those things. But virtual learning wasn't all bad. And the problems with virtual learning shouldn't just be placed at the feet of teachers. And I get that there, that there were problems with people all over. I get that there were struggles for parents. I get that administrators have really tough choices. I get that governors and city planners have tough choices with competing desires. But to lay the problems of virtual learning at the teacher's feet, I think is wrong. And to insinuate that teachers on a whole are a group of people who didn't want to come back to the classroom strictly because they were lazy and they wanted their cushy job to get paid to work from home. I despise that insinuation. Are there a few teachers who probably believe that? I'm sure there are. But I heard plenty of parents, and then you can see the videos on the internet that are talking about how they just want their babysitters back. So don't sit here and say that that every teacher is bad in the same way you couldn't say that every parent is bad or every administrator is bad or whatever you want it to be. I think everyone this year has been in a tough position. Some of us have been more fortunate than others. I have been very fortunate to be able to work and teach from home. I've been very fortunate that I have a really good technology acumen. But that didn't make my job easier. I mean, I may not have physically worked harder this year than I have in past years, but mentally and emotionally, this year has been the most difficult of my career by far. And I think that's because, and we've talked about this on the podcast, you can't quantify the energy exchange that comes from being in a classroom with kids and how much that feeds, feeds us as teachers, how much we grow and, we, and we, we live off of that energy we get from our kids. And we're just, you just don't get it over Zoom. You don't have those opportunities for those moments that really build the relationship. And the moments that build relationships are not found when I'm talking about 
microeconomics versus macroeconomics or another teacher's talking about the water cycle or another teacher's talking about um, to kill a mockingbird or another teacher's talking about the Pythagorean theorem. They come in the moments where you have interactions with kids that are genuine. When you see them for who they are and they see you for who you are and you have fun and you do those things and you bond in the same way any relationship bonds that you struggle on things and you work on things and you have bad days and you have good days and, and you just really haven't had that in virtual. Yet I can't bring myself to have just said, we should have just, you know, I'm not in the situation of ride or die where we should have just opened and, and let it be what it was going to be. There's no way to know had schools stay open, how that would have impacted, um, the COVID numbers and things of that nature on a broad scale. You can't know that. And we won't know what the long-term effect of this pandemic will be for years to come. We don't know the long-term effects on businesses and families. And yes, am I concerned with the social emotional and the rise in suicides and stuff like that? Of course I am. But there's one space that I control in this, right, I shouldn't do, I, I control my choices. I should say there's two spaces. I control my choices. I choose to social distance. I choose to wear a mask. I choose to follow the guidelines to the best of my abilities. That doesn't mean that I've stayed home. Um, I, I've started going more and more places where there are, you know, distancing and regulations and all that stuff. And I feel great about it. But the one place that I really have control over and, and that I can affect change, affect changes in my classroom. Right now, I, I can't on a broad scale change policy at the state or national level. I can make a difference for the kids that are in my classroom. And I did the best I could with that over virtual. And I'm going to do the best I can with that once I'm back in the classroom. But as I, as I get set for this Monday, I don't want to have rosy expectations because I think it's going to be bumpy for me I think I'm going to be dog tired every night and I think that it's going to take me a while to adjust to a face mask and a shield and moving classroom to classroom you know I, I'm basically going classroom to classroom I don't have my own room carrying my backpack around setting my computer up each time getting getting the kids going and and being mindful that they're not moving classroom to classroom they're really not moving at all during the day giving them movement breaks, giving them brain breaks, giving them chances to talk about things that are going on, the social issues, the social climate, the political climate, all that stuff. Because as I get said here, the trial of the man who killed George Floyd uh, is getting set to start here. So there's going to be some of that going around in the Twin Cities. And there's just so much going on. And there's so much out there and there's so much information and there's so many different sides to this that I feel like it could be easy for me to get overwhelmed and and not focus on the main thing and I find myself especially in virtually these last couple of weeks as I get set to go back I find myself doing things just to be busy and I really worry that's my biggest concern when I go back to the classroom that I'll be doing th things with my kids just to be busy versus doing the things that are really important reflecting um, having conversations about our world and the negativity that surrounds it. And, and I wrote in my planner in my journal that 
I want my hope is to help the kids see that the world is actually beautiful before they go on to high school. I've got two and a half months to, you know, and so many people say that um, academics is important and that's how we prepare them for the next level, but they need to get to a point. Um, they can get to a point where we have them emotionally ready and socially ready and empowered to go to high school versus just having their content knowledge. So that's really where I'm at. And I, I've always tried to commit. Reflection is one of the hardest things I have. So I think what I will be doing is I'm going to try to lay down a five-minute podcast once a day, just talking about my day, and then put it out once a week um, and just reflect. I, I try to reflect right, but I, I, I can never gain steam. So I, if I can do this and my story can help someone else, I hope to do that. But I want you to know how much I love everybody that listens to this podcast, everybody that's so supported this podcast, especially the teachers that are new in the profession. Um, we got some stuff coming out for you through the year, through the summer that we really want to focus on, but um, we love y'all. Uh, I love y'all. I'm so proud to be in this profession with you. And if there's ever anything we can do, Wilkie and I can do for you, please let us know, reach out. Um, value adds value on Instagram, find us on TikTok at it's Kyle Krieger at it's uh, dot will dot law dot I, I, I Twitter, Facebook, anywhere you can find us or send us an email. Um, like I said, I'm, I'm excited to be back and uh, I'm excited to share that story with you. But that's that mentoring experience. And that's what podcasts and that's what we hope our podcast become for people is an opportunity to to almost like a masterclass situation. Because uh, there are teachers out there who, who are rock starring, uh, who understand what it takes to do what we do. But nobody knows who they are. Nobody's heard their voice. No one's, no one's, you know, there's not a camera in every teacher's room capturing all these moments and, and putting them in a file. And you may have never experienced it, and then you may listen to it on a podcast, and then all of a sudden, you experience it, and it's like, oh, I remember them saying, okay, this is how you, okay, got it. And even though it may be like, no, nah, I can't do that, but it gives me an idea, it sparks an idea in my mind of what I can do.